Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Italian Wine Podcast, as Wine to Wine 2020 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions chosen to highlight key themes and ideas and recorded during the two-day event held on November 23rd and 24th, 2020. Wine to Wine 2020 represented the first ever fully digital edition of the Business to Business Forum. Visit winetowine.net and make sure to attend future editions of Wine to Wine Business Forum. Hello to everyone. Um, it's great to be here with you. I'm very excited to present with Julia Coney today. We'll be discussing the topic of allyship. There's been a series of fantastic presentations throughout Wine to Wine this year discussing inclusivity, diversity, um, advocacy, and various social justice issues as well. And so together, Julie and I hope to bring forward this same conversation into the idea of how businesses in wine, as well as individuals in wine, can be allies for people um, not traditionally so far as represented in the wine sphere. It's a great honor to present with my friend Julia Coney. She and I have been working for a few years now on being able to present together. So it's great to finally get the chance to do this with you, Julia. Um, I would um, like to just give a brief introduction to each of us for those of you that haven't met either of us before. Julia Coney is a DC and Texas-based wine writer, educator, speaker, and consultant. She has won multiple awards for her advocacy work in wine and her presentation skills in wine, and most especially just last month, I think it was, um, won the Wine Star Social Visionary of the Year from Wine Enthusiast. It's an incredible honor from Wine Enthusiast to be awarded the Wine Star Award. So congratulations again, Julia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. This is like an honor and a privilege to present with you. Like you said, it's been a couple of years in the making, so it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> so as for myself, my name is Elaine Chacon Brown. I'm based in California and from Alaska, and I uh, work regularly as a wine writer and speaker, as an educator, and occasionally also as an illustrator. I'm the American specialist for JancisRobinson.com, contributed to both the World Atlas of Wine and the Oxford Companion to Wine, and am um, a newly minted regular contributor to Club Enologic, the online magazine as well. So I'm, but um, Julie and I both um, have backgrounds in speaking on diversity and inclusion and have been doing a lot of work the last several years to try to bring the conversation even more strongly into wine. So it's a great honor to help give this final session for Wine to Wine to talk about it in the realm of business. Yes, because we all know diversity, equity, inclusion are good for business and it's definitely good for the wine business. That's great. You want to go ahead and get us started, Julia? So I think when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, we also have to understand the definitions. And usually that's when the hard part comes into play because there's they all seem so similar, but they're very different. And so as you can see on the slide, there's a definition for diversity. It's the presence of differences based on race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, ethnicity, and so forth. There's a different definition for equity. Equity is promoting justice, 
impartiality and fairness within the procedures and processes. And then there's inclusion. Inclusion is always action. So when you think of how are you inclusive, that needs to be an action or state of including or being included within a group or a structure. So understanding these definitions are what makes diversity, equity, inclusion happen, and they all have to work together cohesively. And so with that, we're talking about allyship. Um, the civil rights movement that happened in the U.S. in June due to George Floyd's um, untimely murder is because we saw this allyship happening. We saw a lot of people wanting to help because th therefore the the system, systemic racism was prevalent and you could see it happening. But then we also have to know what is an ally. So an ally is a person that actively promotes and aspires to advance the culture of inclusion through intentional, positive, and conscious efforts. So then what is allyship? This is a process. And so Elaine and I, when we speak on this, we always say this is a process. So allyship diversity, equity, inclusion are a marathon and not a sprint. So always think of you are never finished being an ally. So once you know that, then therefore we can actually move forward to know it's not a start and stop procedure. It's a lifelong process. And with that movement happened, we saw a lot of these squares posted with brands, individuals, different people from all around the world. And you all, we also saw the protests that, were, that took place after this around the world. So when we speak of allyship, we have to discuss ally as more than just this square. The reason why we have to say that is because the recent elections in the U.S., we see that a lot of people turn out for the person who's currently president number 44. That means this black square, this summer of allyship, didn't do as much based on who was who voted for him again. So we have to realize, like, how do we change this and how do we work together? And one of the reasons why I always like to show this from spending data from Catalyst on allyship is because look at the power of spending based on all these different ethnic groups, Black, Asian, Latinx, American Indian, and multiracial. We're talking in the trillions of billions of dollars. And if we think about wine, how much of this goes towards wine? How inclusive are we making wine? I was looking uh, at Polly and Robert's uh, talk about TikTok and how certain generations don't want to use TikTok, but there's a market for wine in different places. So we have to decide, looking at these numbers, how do we use that as part of being an ally? And how do we use that to enhance the spending power of people for wine. So that's one of the data points I want everybody to really, if you take a screenshot on your computer or if you're on your phone, so you can see how can we get part of this money because we know the United States is the biggest consumer of wine. So since we are the biggest consumer, how do we actually spend more on wine? So one of the ways Elaine and I work and talk we show you slides, but we don't always talk and stay on the slides. But we also wanted to give you some tools. So small steps equals big impact. It's a process. Understanding systemic inequalities. Creating a safe space for diversity discussions, even the difficult discussions. And these discussions will be hard, but they are needed. And you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable in order for them to happen. 
So we always need to listen, learn, and support. And we definitely believe in you can't counsel others and call that doing the work. It's not about canceling someone. It's about doing the work to grow. And so we're going to use wine as a catalyst to come together. And so with that, here's our information. And we will start our discussion more on allyship and working together. And we want to thank you. That's just a slide presentation. So we actually will start our discussion on allyship and what it means based on wine and also different sectors and understanding different ethnicities within that and how to actually be a lifelong ally and how to continue it so we can actually grow the wine business. That's great. Thank you, Julia. I, I think, um, so I've been spending a lot of time thinking about kind of ways to think about this because mm -hmm. one of the important points you brought up is that idea of performing allyship. Mm -hmm. And I think one of a really straightforward way to distinguish performative allyship versus that lifelong commitment, like you pointed out, is to realize that to genuinely be an ally, whether you are a business or an individual, you have to think of it as if you are constructing a strategy for long-term collaboration and change. Mm -hmm. Yes. So if, if you are a business, that strategy has to be part of your business plan. You have to actually look for ways to create business partnerships. And you have some great examples of that. But to look for business partnerships that actually expand the conversation, expand the market and who the market is connecting to for your product. But if you're doing it, if you're thinking in terms of an, being an individual, being an ally is a lifestyle. It is a long-term commitment. That's the other part of what we mean when we say it's a marathon, not a sprint. Genuinely being an ally is a full lifetime commitment that grows over time. And a really simple way to make that point is to say, if you can count the number of times you have helped someone or helped someone that ha does not look like you, you're actually not being an ally. That means that you can actually tell how many times you've done something out of your comfort zone. That means you're just getting started. Get started. We all have to get started. But if you can still count the number of times you've done something for another person, you aren't doing it as a way of life yet. Keep expanding your practices to connect and, to connect and amplify people that um, are in other groups from you, to advocate for other people, and to leverage your privilege. One of the most important things you can do as an individual is if you get an invitation to be part of a program of some sort, then you can say, well, I'll be able to do that if you also invite these other people and ha have access to a list of people. Julia's put together a really fantastic online resource for um, black wine professionals. And in the United States, the BAME uh, website um, is another really great resource. And you can actually access genuine professionals in wine who um, are part of the BAME or BIPOC community that you can advocate for. And I would also say in the allyship, when we when we think about it, people always say, oh, you know, it's so much work. Well, we realize now that we've all you may or may not like the word pivot. We've all have had to pivot since COVID. We've all had to adjust. I mean, this is amazing conference and how now we're doing it online. 
But now we take that same way we pivoted. And how do we do that in terms of ourselves or in terms of the business? Because if we think of how, you know, younger people, people in a certain age group, you know, we all, everybody has their own bias and we understand there is bias in everything. But in order to be an ally, what that means is saying is, okay, I may not totally get what a person is actually going through who is a BAME, who is a BIPOC person. Let me listen. And also when you listen, you listen with empathy and you listen and don't put it back on yourself as saying, well, I also, I always say this, don't say, well, I have a black friend or I have a Latin ex friend because then now you're, that's a microaggression. Now you're not being an ally because you're not even listening to the, what another person goes through. Because just because you had a friend that's black, that doesn't mean the black experience is not a monolith. That means everyone's experience is so different. So in order to do that, we have to say, how do I like how do I be an ally for all people? It is me understanding like when everything came out recently with the court of Master Sommelier's sexual harassment scandal, sexual assault issues, how do I be an ally knowing that didn't happen to me? It was time for me to step back and just listen and support. And that's true allyship. It's not placing yourself in the middle and in the forefront of something. It is actually just sometimes stepping back and listening and also learning from listening. Well, I... So agree with that and really want to emphasize that again, like the first step to being an ally is learning to listen. And the what is at the core of this process that we are describing is learning to see the shift from self-promotion and personal gain to community building, to, to actually asking how can I use my position to actually grow, improve, and strengthen the community. So that I'm not promoting myself, I am helping to build stronger connections and expand those connections into parts of the community that have been less advantaged previously than myself. But the way to do that is not to go in assuming you already know the best strategy, but instead to listen to people that actually can benefit from our support in order to problem solve with them, how do I how do I solve these issues that are occurring? But also it's no magic elixir. Like you said, mm -hmm. there's no one stop. There's not, okay, we have a new, especially if we're talking the U.S. United States, because there's different re angles in the United States regarding race in different countries regarding racism. They're all very different, but they all are very similar. Is one person, people of power, who are oppressing another group that is marginalized. And so when you re we realize, okay, there's marginalized people also in wine education. How do we get more people of color? I know there are a lot of scholarships that are also happening, but also with that, how do we move these people once they're in? How do we actually access and help them get jobs? Yes, because exactly. we, you, we have to go from just, okay, they took the class and now they have the knowledge, but how do we put that knowledge plus work plus income into a job for people. Right. Cause it's a lot of the um, strategies that are coming out right now are about entry level scholarships mm -hmm. to entry level education. And that is an important move, but it's not going to actually change the landscape of wine 
unless we keep opening doors ever forward up the chain, so to speak. So we need to be creating initiatives that offer upper level education as well. What I would love to see is an initiative to support not only diploma level WSCT education, but also um, education provider funding for for people of color, for BIPOC and BAME providers to create their own educational communities. That when we start actually supporting change at the decision-making level, not just the entry level, that's when we're actually going to be changing the, the community at large. But Julie, I think it's important for us to give like really specific examples. So like the specific example I, I just gave is again, I would love to see upper level funding for both WSCT diploma and for um, uh, education provider programs for WSCT. So just as one example related to mm-hmm. WSCT, because that is going to change the education landscape if people can create their own education communities with a formalized program. But you actually have some great examples of how businesses have partnered with you and the work you're doing through Black Wine Professionals. So could you tell us about some of those examples? I think it'll give great ideas to people too. So Black Wine Professionals has partnered with Champagne Laurent Perrier for the Champagne Master Level Certification with Wine Scholar Guild. But we didn't just give them a scholarship. So you can give anybody a scholarship. What we're doing is mentoring. We're also doing master classes that they are also providing the champagnes. And in between those master classings, there are weekly check-ins. And also we're not just relating champagne as in the technical. We also are relating champagne in the in the mentoring sessions with myself as part of our culture, part of the food components that we as Black people in the United States eat. How do we pair that with champagne? How do we look at champagne from a different lens of not just being celebratory, but also food? Because different cultures eat different things. So we're coming to it also from a perspective of where do you, what culture, food culture do you come from and how do we relate these wines to your culture? And that's very different because now we're going to say we have people from the South. We have people from the North. How are they? Their food culture is very different. And some of them are also from the Caribbean, West Indian. That means they have a different food culture. So they're going to bring that in. And so we're going to study champagne with a, a, a technical lens, yes, but also a food cultural lens as well. Well, and I love that example, too, because it's a it is a winery business partnering with the community that you are building. Mm-hmm. So there's a collaboration effort there, but also you're so helping to solve a really key aspect of all of this, which is access. So access to education, mm-hmm. access to community, but also literal access to wine. And, you know, you said they're helping to get the wine to different people, but then the third step is you're expanding the conversation. So instead of just saying, look, you have to learn wine in this preset, pre-ordered way that's mm-hmm. been approved for decades, we're going to actually bring that conversation into a new context and say, I want to listen to you. How do you see this work in your community, in your life with your foods? You know, so it's collaboration gain access, share access, and expand the conversation. Those are like three key steps that all occur in your example. Also to connection. I connection, think, con- yeah. Con- connecting people back to their culture. I'm not taking away from a person's upbringing or anything. I'm just adding and enhancing. And this way we're saying, here's this great product that we're actually bringing back to what you have learned. 
like what you were taught, like your family, your family's food. And that it brings it home, too, as well. Yeah, it makes it make sense. But so it's like a way of inviting people into an established community of wine. But by saying, I want I want to learn with you, too. I want to learn what you have to share with me, because your community has this unique perspective in food, in your example. And by us learning together, we can actually expand the conversation and connect and understand each other as people. It's a great, again, it's like listening, use that to connect, see it as a long-term strategy of collaboration for change, which expands the market and changes the conversation. Like those are the five key steps of allyship. Yes. But so one of the questions that's come in um, Mm -hmm. is from people who wanting to us to advise um, other educators in wine. You know, so, um, you know, you and I both have a background of working on these issues. Um, You know, I am actually Alaska Natives. And so we both in different ways have backgrounds of being impacted by these issues. But for people that are newer to these kinds of questions and working in the education sphere, the question is, you know, what advice would we give for how they can be an ally in their community and in their workplace as educators? I would say first, it goes back to, we said before, the tool is listen and patience and ask the question of each person's background. Every person is individual. You can't assume everything also based on appearances, based on socioeconomic status. Ask the question, if you're educating a student and you're teaching wine, ask them what they, when they were a child, what did they eat? Everybody has a favorite food, no matter what that is, right? And that way you can actually teach wine towards that food that they had. Because remember, most wine classes are based on European standards of food, right? So if you're teaching and you're not in Europe or you are in Europe, in the, but you're teaching someone of a, from a, a migrant household, someone from maybe the Cameroon, they're going to have a different food culture. And that way, I think, because also food brings us together just like wine. And we're, and we're connected through that personal experience, ask, a, ask the question, and also just talk to that person about what they would actually like to do in wine. A lot mm-hmm. of times when we teach people about wine, we never ask them what do they want to do once we have taught them about wine. Yeah, absolutely. That, well, and that's that, that personal aspect of mentorship, mm-hmm. so that yes. it's not just about education um, you know, entry offering entry level education again, it's really important, but it also assumes we already know what people need to learn. The shift that you're describing is is expanding that interest in in education and improving access to education to include mentorship, which is where the personal connection comes in. So that instead of only assuming, let's just offer money for more classes. How do we each as individuals participate in being mentors for each other? And that goes back to listening and making being open to connections. Yes. I, th- I think it also emphasizes the point that you included in, in our tools slide, which is like, we need to remember that we are also educating ourselves. Mm-hmm. This, uh, to say this is a long-term process is to admit, I have a lot to learn. I've been working on these issues professionally in my previous career and in this one, and I still have a lot to learn. And the best way for me to do that is to learn together. But that means I have to be open to also receiving corrections 
and realizing that there are going to be times when I make a misstep or simply just don't know something. Um, you know, like your, your example of the community of people you're bringing together around champagne, there, there have to be tons of food experiences that are completely new to you. And learning how to talk about those and listen about those is such a crucial aspect of this. But I think it also all connects to the point we made that I, I want to make sure we talk about just for a minute or two is just that idea that cancel culture is not doing the work. It's not doing the work. It's cancel not helping. It's not there, helping. There are, there are times when someone's behavior is so egregious, they do need to be removed from leadership. Like, let's make that clear, right? Yes. But the point is, cancel culture is about closing doors. Allyship is about building community. That means we all have to be willing to change over time. And that also means we have to be willing to find connections with people that we might not have had them with before or that we were uncomfortable with before sometimes too. Yes. So what, um, Rebecca is sharing a question that's come in with us. Um, so do we have um, examples of initiatives specifically to do mentorship or allyship with immigrant communities or migrant populations? I personally haven't heard of any. I do know that is a problem um, for like, like, you know, the question Europe and around the world for migrant. I can say in the U.S. here, a lot of that also had to do with our current yes. administra presidential administration in the U.S. That a lot, the migrant issue, I am, will think that may change with the new president elect coming in, vice president elect coming in, but I don't know. And that's something I will act, I actually need to look into myself and think about as well, because honestly, that part hadn't really crossed my mind. And like you said, Elaine, it's like allyship is listening. I'm yeah. learning new every day and I have to learn about what's going on in that aspect as well. So thank you for the question. Yeah, the big, the big thing for everyone to understand in relation to that question of migrant communities and immigrant populations is that it it all like Julia just intimated it all comes down to how the local laws around immigration and migration operate and in the United States we've been under a really um, domineering and strict really restrictive um, legal system and and implementation of those laws these last four years there have been um, advocacy programs that have emerged for migrant workers here in the United States and for um, uh, undocumented immigrants here in the United States as well. Those are very local and specific because a lot of this stuff um, has to be handled delicately here in the United States. But I think that it, it, it is an effort that people should remember as next steps for all of us working on allyship to improve these situations. Because what we know is that any of us working in wine are indebted to the vineyard worker communities yes. around the world that do the work to make the wine possible. And so if we want to genuinely be allies for, for the community, we have to be advocating for vineyard workers. And again, how to do that operates differently depending on laws. But what is always needed is housing security, food security, legal assistance, um, medical access to medical care, professional development training. These are all, um, regardless of the law in your local area, those are all ways we can advocate for vineyard worker communities in different parts of the world. There's also a question coming in about, can we talk about the difference between cultural appropriation versus cross-cultural collaboration? 
And I think a really simple answer to first step answer to that is that who's, who's benefiting is the first question asked. Mm-hmm. Who's benefiting? Are you gaining financially and in reputation through the work being done with other culturals, uh, culture symbols? Well, then that's appropriation. Are you helping to build communities through collaborative work? Well, then that's cross-cultural cross collaboration. It's a simple. Um, do you want to add anything to that question? I also think like when we were talking about a question, uh, end of that question was about drinks. And I think when you take something and you don't give credit to whom credit is given, that is cultural appropriation mm-hmm. of that particular culture's dish. Right. So or, or drink. And so that's where the, the line. But when you say I am collaborating and I'm helping that culture, that product gain following because I'm working and giving the um, the information of of my knowledge based on I know this came from this person, this group. A lot of times cultural appropriations happen because people don't acknowledge where it came from. And they also want to pan it off as it's like plagiarism. Yeah, almost yeah, absolutely. In, in the same in the same vein. Again, who's benefiting? Like that's a really simple first step question. Who's benefiting? Who's benefiting? Yeah. Yes. Um, so we're almost out of time and there's obviously, hopefully this has shown that there's lots more to talk about. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, and that there's a lot more sessions like next step sessions that can continue to be had. But um, again, think of allyship as a strategy for, of collaboration for community building over time that it needs to be integrated into your business plan. And as an individual, you need to think of it as a way of life. That means we all have something to learn. We have to be open to being corrected and to, and to learning together and to see that as collaboration as well. Julia, other last comments you want to add? Last comment is, if you, um, it is goes Pauline's question, different races and colors who wanted to help take initiatives. Also reach out. Right now, there are so many people of different races, colors that want to help. There's, there's different groups. Um, Elaine and uh, Miriam have like created a new thing. We're bringing all the different people in diversity together. There was a recent article about that um, in VinePair talking about that. And we're all really working together. We're doing similar things, but they're very different. And I would say just reach out to the to anyone you want to work with, everyone really now is almost you. You can find them. You can you know email them, DM them, and contact them and get the conversation started. The key is getting the conversation started, and it's a continued conversation. Yes, so yeah. just it doesn't stop just because we want it to stop because allyship and DEI is a lifelong work. Let yourself be uncomfortable. Let yourself be uncomfortable. Thank you so much to everybody for. Um, for including us and for being thank you so much thank you to everybody at wine and wine and vinily and stevie thank you thank you listen to the italian wine podcast wherever you get your podcasts we're on soundcloud apple podcasts himalaya fm and more don't forget to subscribe and rate the show if you enjoy listening please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com any amount helps cover equipment production and publication costs until next time chin chin